0: You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Welcome to Ask Your Dog Guru. I'm your host, Victoria, and today we are talking about defiance in dogs. Um, Things like, can we teach defiance? Are dogs naturally oppositional and defiant? Do you need to train differently or change tactics because of oppositional behavior? So we're going to talk about all that stuff really get into the nitty gritty about what you can expect if you have a defiant dog and what that looks like, Like how I define a defiant dog. I always use the same methodology. It's just the treatment plan that I adjust, like what we need to focus on first and what foundation is there if we've never worked together. I mean, honestly, I never got callbacks on behavior problems on dogs I'd worked with, um, especially if we had ever done, you know, like puppy 101 or, or something like that. But if I had never worked with the dog and they were cold calling me, which was often the case, the we would run into defiant dog cases all the time, all the time. So we're gonna get into the nitty gritty of that. So let's get right into it. So the first thing you may wonder, which I kind of touched on a second ago, is do you need to change training tactics because of oppositional behavior? The answer is no, you don't. You keep your guard up and you have to be vigilant when it comes to training, which I'll explain what I mean by that. But dogs who are defiant are looking for holes in your behavior, in the training, in the daily dynamic, in you know, the fence, they're always looking for holes. Um, Anything from food, rank, attention, escaping the yard, all of those things can fall into the category of weak points. So weak points are essentially breaks in behavior that they start to pinpoint and they manage to get whatever it is they're wanting. So you definitely don't want that in a defiant dog. You don't want them to feel like they're winning all of the time, but you don't want to have constant power struggles with them either. So we're going to talk about some of the things that we could be doing that contribute to defiant behavior in dogs. And then if you just got luck of the draw, really stubborn dog, has to question your every move. I'm sorry, but you know, we, we're gonna be talking about things that you can do too. So I'll start off by saying little things with defiant dogs become bigger things and then they become out of control things. When you're dealing with a really headstrong dog or just a dog that questions essentially your authority, um, there needs to be clarity. You don't just tell a defiant dog to sit or down, you tell him exactly where he's gotta do it and make sure that you've taught him not to move until he hears a release cue. You need to be willing to go back and forth and ride out the power plays that I mentioned um, without getting emotionally engaged. Now, I realize saying that out loud uh, and having lived through it (laughs) and worked with a lot of different clients, that's a lot easier said than done in practice. Uh, Certain dogs that I've worked with had no willpower at all. I mean, I could win them over in a day or even a session. But, you know, then you have the really willful ones that are like, nope, this is how I'm doing it. This is how I've always done it. And surprisingly, it's not breed specific at all. Which is to say, you know, a mutt can be defiant, a purebred, well-bred dog can be defiant. A lot of it has to do with the way they're raised and if there is training in place. But, you know, I, ask my clients, you know, if I ever saw a a defiant behavior or if they wanted to know if their dog was defiant, I would ask them what they thought that looked like. And they were like, well, you know, whenever we leave, you know, he goes to the bathroom on the carpet. Well, does he have a routine? Well, not really. Okay, so that's not really defiance. It's a management thing. It was a routine thing. When you're talking about a defiant dog, They're acutely aware of their surroundings. Honestly, tend to be a little bit more naughty. The worst thing you can do with a dog that is showing signs of defiance is go back and forth. If you're not going to be consistent, you're gonna—I promise you—you're gonna have enough back and forth as it is. Because when you have a strong-willed dog and a dog that is naturally kind of against your plan what will happen is you're going to get into this back and forth power struggle dynamic if you're not already there and once you get there it's really hard to break that pattern because everything becomes a debate and a negotiation and it really shouldn't be i feel like dogs they just do better when you give them simple options but options you've chosen you don't leave them to their own advices you don't have a wild animal living in your yard you have a dog living in your house so you need to be really thoughtful about what this is supposed to look like if you're not going to be consistent with this dog long term or you've got a busy schedule yada 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 okay but realistically with a defiant dog ain't gonna work They're gonna be higher maintenance. They're mentally higher maintenance. It's not that you have to groom them more or, it's that they need a certain type of interaction to be stable in a home environment and not be problematic in a community environment. In terms of clarity, you not only need to teach a dog a solid foundation of cues, which you can listen to our previous episodes. We have lots of different episodes on cues and setting a foundation. When it comes to a defiant dog, you not only have to teach the cue, you have to define where the dog is going to sit. You have to point to a specific area. It has to be exactly there that he goes, not a foot or so away from it. And why is this? Okay, well, because effort and definition matter to a dog who is prone to being defiant. So when I point to the carpet and I say over here, sit, stay, I mean there, exactly where I'm indicating to. Not three feet from there, not a foot from there, exactly there. So what happens if you just let a strong-willed dog or a defiant dog, and I don't like labels, but this may ring true to a lot of people at home, they might be like, oh yeah, my dog is totally, totally blows me off. So defiant dogs will do things like, uh, to kind of talk back to you. You'll ask them to do something and they'll do the opposite on purpose. When you're talking about a dog that is generally like, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, he's only not doing it because he knows he doesn't have to do it. So then we're talking about, okay, so I said I wasn't changing tactics. So how do I get a defiant dog to do what I want without forcing him to do it? So the first thing you want to do is be mindful of your body language, both around your dog and when you're directly engaging with him. Don't slouch. Make sure your shoulders are rolled back. Eyes forward, not down on your dog, especially on walks. Remembering that your dog is reading that language and will respond by either taking the upper hand or doing nothing at all, tuning it, you know, out their handler, the owner entirely. You don't want that. You want your dog to be checking in with you. They want you want them to regard you as the first in command. Now I hesitate in using the term the alpha. I feel like that term has been beat to death. But having a leader is an important thing to have in a home, to have consistency so that everybody is doing the same exact thing with the dog. That's an important step when you're dealing with a defiant dog. You will not get a defiant dog on the right track permanently if only one or two people in the house are doing it and you have a family of five. It's not gonna work. So do a self-check on the following. Have you raised your voice to the defiant dog? I'll bet you have. I'm sure all of us have. I mean, I think when you're dealing with a dog and you get frustrated, it's human nature to get a little bit more verbal louder as if the dog is going to all of a sudden be like, yep, now I'm gonna listen. So here's the secret. Raising your voice only teaches your dog you're unpredictable, which isn't very leader-like. It teaches him he shouldn't trust you, that he needs to tune you out because you're really seeming like noise at this point. The other reason you don't want to raise your voice with a defiant dog is a lot of dogs show defiance. They're putting up a front to protect themselves. Essentially, it's a bravado, but underneath they're very insecure. They've either had an abuse history, maybe they've been smacked, not necessarily by their current owner, but by a previous owner. You know, when you have a new puppy, and, or even an adult dog, and you bring them home, at any age, there's going to be an adjustment period. Well, with a a defiant dog, you're the one adjusting, not the puppy. (laughs) Contrastly, there are, there's the other end of the spectrum where you have a defiant dog and their defiance is really charged by dominance. They raise an eyebrow and kind of mentally roll their eyes whenever you ask them to do something or stop stop doing something. And one popular question I used to get a lot was, what do you do when you reach a point of contention with the dog? When you reach a crossroads with them and there's something you need them to do or something that they are refusing to do outwardly, what do you do? Well, my short answer for that is you keep going back and forth with them with the same response every single time, predictable as the sun rising every day, until they give in. With a defiant dog, that can be a time-consuming process, which is why I said, you know, you really have to be prepared mentally to have a long road ahead of you. If you have a three or four or six year old dog that has been defiant its whole life and now you're ready to throw yourself into training, fantastic, but you've got a lot of work to do. Even with younger dogs, you know, you reach that six month old mark and that they're reaching, with some breeds, they're getting to the point where they're a little bit more sexually mature they wouldn't be breeding age but you know they are their hormones are more active and so they're feeling more full of themselves and they tend to question authority a little bit more often and there is a third category i refer to it as a pushback period now lots of dogs will go through pushback periods does not mean they're a defiant dog doesn't mean that they've lost their mind or anything is changing in their personality type they're just testing they're taking your pulse and trying to see how you'll respond to a situation so i'll give you an example of what i mean take a dog we'll call him fido so say i've taught fido how to do a down cue he's great at it he's fast and efficient in it and then one day i ask fido to do down on cue and he stares at me I say his name again, I repeat the cue. This time he saunters off acting like I didn't exist. Um, I bring him back. Not only does he not down this time either, but this time he sits. So what's going on here? He knows it, we've done this before, why isn't he doing it? Because he's testing me. He wants to see if I in fact will make him do what I'm asking him to do and how I'll respond when he doesn't do it. So I don't fail that test. I send the exam right back to the dog. <laughs> Make the process really, really cut and dry. Dogs don't like long long winded chats or lectures. So the process needs to be simple. So I ask you to do something you've been taught. I know you have a history doing it and you've shown me you understand it. Then you're asked to do the queue. You don't do the queue. Now we are officially at and our point of contention. What what do we do now? Where do we go now? When I know for sure a dog has a solid understanding of a cue I'm asking for, this is not something a dog has just learned. A newly learned cue, I would offer a couple more opportunities. But if I know for sure we're talking about something that the dog has done a hundred times before easily without any sort of problem and he's just throwing the brakes on and staring at me, okay, that's a different thing. So if I ask for a cue, they don't do the cue... Then I give them 10 minutes to spend on their own. It can be a dependent area, it can be a baby gated area, or even in the crate. The goal is not to punish the dog. It's to make it easy for them to decide what to do next time. So I don't say, no, bad dog. Sometimes I'll give some sort of indicator, just like a verbal marker of what I'm interrupting. So I might go, oops, or whoops, and then I'll put them on their own for a bit. In a, safe, in, in a safe space. When I come back, there isn't a big greeting or discussion. I would bring the dog back, Fido, okay? I'm gonna bring him back to exactly where we were working before and we're going to try the same cue in the same place as last time. If he gives no response or tries doing something else, oops, back to that safe space, the crate, the penned area, And back and forth, back and forth, we go. So is it tiring? Yeah, of course it's tiring. But at some point, Fido is going to go, fine. (laughs) You win. And when you get him out of the safe space and ask for the cue, one of these times, he's going to do it. The moment you ask. You praise, you offer a big reward, and then you let him go about his business. Showing him that, you know, if he does what you ask... You're good to go. He can move on with his day. You choose to do something else, completely fine. But eventually, to have the full freedom and access around, or, you know, freedom with the family, you have to do what was initially asked in the place it was initially asked. And I don't deviate from that process. I've had some dogs that take two or three times going back and forth. And those are the dogs that I don't consider defiant. Just they're testing me. And then Defiant dogs, oh, will spend a week teaching, you know, going back and forth, back and forth. On different cues, it's not usually the same cue day in, day out. They'll pick a different one almost every other day. Sometimes a couple in a day. They'll just act like, oh, I don't know that one now. But they do. And they're they're trying to see if you are going to make them do it. And If you already know that they know the cue, you don't need to repeat yourself. You don't need to go into a tizzy. You don't need to raise your voice. You don't need to jerk them around. You just need to give them a break, kind of like a a mental detox period where they can think about their options. It's like do nothing in a not-so-exciting area. You know, don't leave like a bunch of toys and things for them to do. Or when mom or dad come back, maybe I'll go ahead and do what they ask because otherwise I'm gonna have to go back to that boring space. So you make it, you you know, you're appealing to their greed. If they wanna be free and they wanna have playtime and they wanna be interacted with, in order for that to happen, this is what they have to do. And it could be as simple as asking them to give eye contact or sit or, you know, in my example, like a down cue. It's not something, it's not complexity that's holding them back from doing it. It's the fact that you're asking and they want to see if you're going to physically get involved. And I can tell you right now, getting physically involved with a dog is not going to work. Because then eventually you may not have the brawn, depending on the size of the dog, you may not have the brawn to overpower them, but I promise you, you haven't won the war anyway. Because mentally, you are having to physically get involved for something that was always a mental thing. Defiant dogs aren't using necessarily just their size against you. They could be sizable, but what they're using is the fact that they feel superior. And the only reason they feel superior is because they've either been allowed to feel that way or they haven't had enough structure to stop them from feeling like that. So if you're you have a defiant dog first of all, no access on furniture whatsoever, not in any context. You've heard me say in, you know, other cases where you've got anxiety cases or aggression cases, that advice has been varied when it comes to a defiant dog. No, it's not. I never recommend a dog that is regularly defiant have the the ability to get on chairs and couches and beds and things like that, or sleep with the owners when they aren't under control, essentially. When you're talking about defiant dogs, though, defiant dogs aren't bad dogs. I like to think of them as opinionated. My very old and retired service dog is one of these very, very, very opinionated types. He is in no way an alpha. He's very calm, but he's got his own plan. And he, e- even at his advanced age, will always test us. He'll take our pulse, see if we're watching him, uh, and paying attention. And if we're not, he'll put the screws to us and he'll start acting out. E- you know, he, It's almost like a teenager trying to see if their parents are aware that they're sneaking out at night. He just wants to see what he can get away with. And then once he realizes he can't, he stops. But he doesn't stop on his own. He stops because we're all vigilant and we know we've got his number, you know. But he's case in point. Age doesn't matter. He didn't mellow with age. We just kept him in check. And we don't give in. Well, we sometimes give in. I'm going to be honest. We're human. And he's old. But he doesn't win those power plays with us. You know, we may spoil him from time to time and give him, you know, some people scraps because he's old and it's like, what else is there to look forward to when you're an old dog? (laughs) Um, But short of that, our standards are still the same. And as a result, he's really kind to other dogs, even if they're not kind to him. We definitely don't have the power plays we did when he was younger, but he's always available to test us and avails himself to every opportunity to do that. And that's just his nature, it's just who he is. He's the best dog I've had in my entire life, and he happens to be an exceptional companion and did a fantastic job, a fabulous job as a service dog. I'm being honest though, I had to work at it. If I had no intention of sticking to the training that he needed from an early age, or if you're sitting there at home and you're thinking, well, maybe I'll do this for a month or two, If you have no intention of sticking to a training plan for more than a handful of months, I can tell you you're going to be drowning in five and pulling your hair out, ready to rehome the dog by six months. If you haven't got a flexible schedule or an active schedule after work, a Defiant dog is likely not to be a great fit for you. It doesn't mean that that, that if you're committed to making changes and working the problem through, that it can't be managed, but that could be layered. It might mean that more than just you needs to be involved, maybe a neighbor or a friend or somebody who lives with you. I don't know what your living situations may be, but you might have to get more hands involved to help you work this problem through with the dog, maybe for social aspects as well. We actually have a term in the equestrian community called piloting in terms of riding a horse. There are many people that think that the horse is doing all the work and the person is just, like, up there. But in truth, they're responsible for being the pilot. The horse being the mode of transport, um, but the pilot is the one that sends the directions. So without gentle and consistent and clear aids from the rider, the horse will go and do whatever he thinks is fun or gets him out of work, which could be dangerous in some cases, like jumping fences that they shouldn't, depending on their mindset. So most horses, by the way, would far prefer eating in a pasture to listening to all sorts of messages from a rider. So getting out of work is typically what they're doing and they have all sorts of dangerous and creative ways of doing it. Uh, But the rider in our case is the owner and you need to send the proper messages, the proper cues, the foundation, the consistency, and your timing has to be impeccable. When your dog does the right thing, you need to mark it immediately because often when you have a defiant dog, they either have confidence issues because they haven't been built up for the good things that they do or they just don't have enough value in being praised for something that they do. So you need to give that more weight to result get the, to your result of a more balanced dog. One quick thing I should note also in regards to pushback periods, they happen in training naturally. I used to see it very, when we had a board and train, I would see it within the first week with some dogs and sometimes as late as the second week with other dogs. And it's something we always expected. I would tell the owners about it long before they ever brought their dogs to us because I was going to say, I was like, he's going to be doing awesome. You're going to see all his progress in those videos. And then all of a sudden he's going to be staring at me a lot. And I'm going to be working the problem through. I'm going to be trying to redirect. I'm going to give the dog a chance. And then if he still blows me off, then he's going to get essentially a timeout. But I'm not making an event of it. I'm not telling him what a bad dog he is. I'm just making the math really simple. It's like, get bored by hanging out over here or do what I'm asking. And then you have all the freedom in the world. You can play. We can do things that are fun. We can learn new things. We can have cuddle time. We can go on a walk, whatever it is that the dog values. But notice, I never at any point said I'm wrangling the dog. I'm physically forcing the dog into position because I'm not. I make, I make it up to them. You know, I'm not going to force you to do something I'm asking, but I'm going to make it really a great idea. <laughs> I'm going to make you want to do what I'm asking so that you can get everything that you want. And I don't do a, here's the treat, here's the treat. Please do what I'm asking. This is not a, th- I'm not bargaining. It's you either do what I ask or y- you just chill over here for a little while and then you're going to be asked to do what I ask again. You want to build... Be- bail on it, you wanna ignore me, that's fine, you're gonna go again. And then you're gonna come back and we're gonna try again. And we're gonna do, with some dogs, I would do this all day. We would have little arguments periodically. <laughs> and then eventually they would just give up. Because they knew that every time that they started pushing against me, that I was gonna give them the same responses. And then they were like, no, I'm just gonna, they, they after a while, even the most defiant of dogs would give up in two, two tries. Once they got really familiar with the process, they eventually were like, oh, she's really gonna stick to this, so I might as well just give up while I'm behind. (laughs) I'll also say this um, leaving your dog to do whatever he wants will not serve him well or you. Guests also don't like it. When a dog is out of control, strangers don't like feeling threatened by a strange dog while grabbing their mail. And no one's going to want to take on, you know, looking down the road. Say you feel like your hands are full and you can't handle this problem with this dog. Well, guess what? No one else is going to want to take on a disaster knowingly. So it's best to take responsibility and do the work up front. You know, socialize your dogs, make sure that you do not break tradition when it comes to the foundation you've set, the routine you've set. When you're dealing with a defiant dog, when they're truly defiant, they're going to be looking for holes forever. They will test you periodically their entire lives, as is the case with my super old dog. Uh, then you have dogs that do it developmentally, usually around the six month mark. Then you see it again at seven to nine months is super common, but if you have larger breeds or, uh, slower to develop breeds, you can see it as late as, you know, 10 months where the dogs are just really pushing, pushing your buttons. They want to see they're they can have what seems to be a boost in energy and things like that too, which just adds to the drama that you're feeling because not only are they blowing you off, but now they're running circles around you. But all of that said, a defiant dog, to truly address it, you need to have already set that foundation. If you haven't, you need to get on it now. And then you need to stop permitting them to have whatever they want. You need to do what's called nothing in life is free, where... Everything they want, they get, but they have to earn it first. Uh, I would go ahead and right after you hear hear this podcast, Google Nothing in Life is Free. There's a ton of examples out online. Um, Install them all. It'll give you so many, and I want you to try things like making them earn access outside before they get out the door, Um, waiting to get their collars on, waiting for their food, asking for permission to get a toy that they want or, you know, initiate play. There are so many different things that you can do with Nothing in Life is Free. But once a dog learns and gets in, once a dog gets into the mindset of asking for things and having to do things before he does anything on his own, he's going to be a lot more manageable. He's going to go from kind of like a wrecking ball that does what he wants and knows that he has your number to you feeling like you have more control it's like okay you may test me but this is you know how this is gonna go if i have to really go back and forth with you i'm gonna do it if you personally have a defiant dog you can email me about your case at dogguruhereforyou@gmail.com, here for you at gmail.com or you can join us on facebook it, first of all, make sure you like us and our page. It's facebook.com forward slash dog guru podcast. But we have a new group. You can search it up on Facebook. It's dog guru hounds, or you can check out the show notes. It'll be a link will be in there. Yesterday, I posted a question and I reached out to our listeners and I said, hey, does anybody deal with defiance at home in dogs? And if you yourself have dealt with it, go ahead and comment on the discussion. I would definitely like to hear from you guys. So if you're ever interested in looking at adorable puppy photos, videos, have a positive place to interact with everyone who loves the show or discuss it, please join us there. I actually did get a canine question last night, and it happens that my breeder is a listener of the show. So hey there, Sarah. And I guess she listened to the recent episode about canine wellness and we go over nutrition and flipping the dog food bag over and she asked me specifically about the dog food that she was feeding was it a good food and I told her about how now in her case this particular food has a very high crude protein level it's 30 percent and in my last episode I talk about how that's really uncalled for it's a really high crude protein amount and it is for, say, like a Chihuahua or a Labrador or something like that, unless it's like a, a hunting dog. But if you've been to our Facebook page for the show, then you know I'm getting a Newfoundland. So because their stature and their their growth process is a little different, 30% on a crude protein is not obscene. Now, will I ever reevaluate? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to reevaluate the diet. I have to see how it agrees with the individual dog I have in front of me. There could be other dogs within the litter it doesn't work with, and it could work great for my dog. I never change puppy food right when I get a dog. I wouldn't recommend an owner do that either. I'm sure there are owners that have done it or perhaps didn't know what the dog that they just took on was eating prior to taking the dog home and they just had to wing it or they had to quickly switch because what they were eating was not agreeing with them. I will tell you often when you take a new puppy home, stress can cause them to have what seems like irritable bowels or as if perhaps they're, they're sick, but if their stool has a rancid smell, they might have ingested something. They might have a bacteria going on. Um, so go ahead and have the vet run a fecal. But anyway, that's a perfect example of how generally I would never recommend 30% crude protein, but with that specific dog and with this specific breed, it could be exactly what the dog needs. And like I said, I'm going to kind of see how the dog is adjusting and how they're putting on weight. Are they strong? Do they seem vibrant? Um, Or are they bouncing off? off the walls because if they're adjusting fine, there's no reason to change what they're on. It's, you know, grain-free. There are a lot of great attributes to this food. I'm purposely not naming it. As you know about me, I don't name specific foods. But all of that said, you know, I think that the breeder did a lot of her homework and picked a great food comparatively. I've heard of other breeders feeding this same breed Food that I wouldn't feed ever because it's got so many fillers in it that the dog isn't getting any protein whatsoever. This isn't one of those foods so I was I was happy about that. And a little tip when it comes to dealing with a defiant dog, if you ever want to head off defiant behavior, start training early. As soon as you get the puppy, as soon as you get the dog, start immediately. Use lots of positive reinforcement, motivate the dog, build them up, build a partnership, and you're likely to head off half of the problems that you could be saddled with six months from now. If you would like to write into the show, you can do so, as I mentioned earlier, at you at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash DogGuruPodcast. And right there, you can click on community and find our Facebook gu- group dog guru hounds you can also rate us on itunes and subscribe to us there get all the updates on our latest episodes i'll also be posting um discussions and polls and videos and all sorts of good stuff in our dog guru hounds discussion group on facebook so definitely join us there Last but not least, if you love the show, you can send us a buck, the price of a cup of coffee, a new chew toy for my dog, whatever amount you wish. It will be greatly appreciated, and you can do so by clicking on the paypal.me forward slash yourdogguru link. It's right there in the show notes as usual. And that's it for me today, everybody. This has been Victoria, your dog guru. Namaste. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios.